Is it going? Yeah, T. t- <laughs> yep, I'm here. <laughs> you want to introduce yourself really quick? Yeah, my name is T, and I am the founder of Garnish Studios. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. So we were just talking about how a couple months ago you and I spoke, and, and you told me this story that really resonated, especially since a lot of the food and beverage makers that we've been talking to at Foodboro right now, uh, especially around, well, the, the uh, recently canceled Expo West season, um, their goal was to get a big distribution deal with a Whole Foods or, or somebody like that. So mm-hmm. um, that's that's really the, the, the story that I want to get into here. But first, just quickly tell us about Keepers, the product you built, and how you got to that point um, where you were looking for one of those deals too. Yeah, so I started Keepers in a co-working space. Me and my buddy, we were making sparkling coffee on our own and then slowly you know, grew that to a small business in Brooklyn where we're bottling in by hand in our basement and you know, self-distributing. And it was a really small, quirky operation. And, but the thing that we had going for us is that we were also a branding agency at the time. So we were uh, lucky enough to have some really cool packaging and that caught the eyes of a lot of like the New York city locals and whatnot. And uh, we started doing these little markets in town and through that we met a lot of like distributors and like grocery store owners and uh, grocery buyers and we kind of like, scaled it up. And in one of these, uh, one of these markets we got approached by someone from Whole Foods. Um, and they were like, we're going to keep an eye on you. Just keep uh, just keep going. And I was like, whoa, small town Brooklyn coffee soda company gets recognized by someone at Whole Foods. We never thought that would be a possibility. Um, Wait, yeah. which, which market was that? Was that the Brooklyn Holiday Bazaar? That was the Brooklyn Holiday Bazaar, yeah. And had you been doing these markets uh, for a while at that point, or was that one of the first ones you did? It was one of the first ones we've ever done. Um, yeah, it's okay. like it's like it's like ninety percent luck. I, I tell you, um, but also the packaging and like that was kind of the issue. It's like we were really good at packaging, but we weren't business people, so people thought we were much larger than what we were actually were. Um, which so we had an Instagram presence at the time. Our photos are really good. And our packaging was spot on, like exactly what it needed to be for the market we're aiming towards. And yeah. Do you think they recognized uh, when they went to the, the Brooklyn holiday bazaar, do you think they recognized your uh, packaging from the, from the digital stuff you guys were doing and were, or, or did they see it for the first time there live physically? I'm pretty sure they saw it for the first time there uh, physically. And I think just the, the product itself was really weird and quirky and enough to like, when someone reads a description of it, they're like, Oh, what is that? Um, this is like three years ago. So I bet now people would just roll their eyes and be like, great. Another one of these things. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the, the packaging and the branding, um, just made sense for like a whole foods and whatnot. Um, you know, okay, so, so the rep was there yeah. drawn to your packaging, taste the product. Taste the product. They like the product. And um, then what happens next? We don't hear from them for a while. <laughs> and, at that, and at that point, we didn't really think anything of it. We didn't really care. We thought it was like some pipe dream to be in Whole Foods. Like that's like the Mecca. Like that's what everyone strives to, 
to get into for some reason. It's like once you make it to Whole Foods, you've won the Olympics or like you retire. I don't know what the, the idea <laughs> And is. you felt that way. You and your partner felt that way too. If this guy or girl ever called you back and, and selected you, then you'd won, right? Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. hitting a jackpot. It's like the validity of like Whole Foods, like backing you. It's like, oh, you're in Whole Foods? You're such a legitimate company. I don't know. Um, All right. So time goes by and what, then what happens? Cause you do hear from them. We do hear from them. And this is like, it sounds like, you know, some happenstance, lucky accident, which it was. Um, we were just doing our thing on Instagram, just posting and posting and posting and posting. Um, we upgraded our packaging like six times. And like, we were sh- like, if you go through our Instagram, like you see like the evolution of the packaging from like, a dirty bottle with like a sticker slapped on it to like a beautiful can. Um, yeah, it is beautiful. Yeah. The, the end product for sure. Um, but at the point when they reached out to us, we were at glass bottles with a wrap and they reached, they, I think they DM'd us on Instagram and they're like, come to our office. And that was that. That was that. So come to our office in New York. And it was in New Jersey. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So get yourself down to New Jersey. And then what happens during that meeting? So you and your partner go. Yeah. Or I'm like, what, what happens? I'm just like literally like shaking in the cars being like, we're not ready. We're not ready for this. We can't, this is one thing we can't bullshit because if we get in, it's like, we're kind of screwed. But I was like, wait. So you had reservations already. You you'd said that if you got in, it was like winning the gold at the Olympics. You won, game over. But yeah. on the way down, you're you're already having reservations. Going, be careful well, what you wish for. Well, it's kind of like when you like when you raise money, when you raise capital, like it's like this big pipe dream. Like I'm gonna raise a million dollars, and once that money is on the table for you to take, you're like, whoa, this is someone else's money, and if I screw this up, I'm gonna be in huge trouble. Oh. <laughs> I to- I totally get that and have been there. My my analogy is it's like you just dug yourself a hole and you're at the bottom of the hole and now you have to figure out how to get to the top first <laughs> before you can do anything else. So exactly. But at the time I was like 23, I was young and like haven't really done anything I was proud of before. Like you know I was a freelancer, but this was something big. This was like okay, this could be you know the Forbes 30 under 30 type of track, you know, which a lot of like my peers and other people who are like under 30 are like in New York city, especially like major cities are like, Oh, that's what I want to do. That's it's so bad. <laughs> like, so you have vision, visions of you and your partner on a billboard or on the, in the magazine with your, with your beautiful cans. And you, all right. So you enter the meeting with, with those visions, but also reservations of, Oh man, if this happens, we might be screwed. Right. Might be screwed, yeah. Um, so we meet with uh, their team, and they basically said, "If you can get your glass bottles into cans, they were very adamant about us being in cans for some reason." Which you know, I'm why? Sure. Why? I don't understand. I don't even think they really understood. And like to us, we like back in the day, like whatever they said went because they're Whole Foods, and like they know best. They're like you know the mecca of the grocery stores. Um, but I think, think I think they had data that said cans sold better, or any, they didn't present any of that. They just said get it in cans. They just get it in cans, and like we believe them. And I think I mean the cans look great and look cool, but knowing what I know now and like this branding world that I'm in, it's like no, like we're a small local company, and our pro- our packaging is was too good 
for the, the size that we were at, if that makes any sense. Okay, explain that. Because, all right, so if you're looking on a shelf, right, and you see every, like, when you think of cans, like, that was like, oh, they're like a, an official drink company. They're in a can. I don't know, for some psychological reason, that's a thing. Also, if you look on a shelf and there's like beautiful packaging in a can that's like super polished, it no longer looks like it's a local company. It looks like a, a national wide company, a national brand. Yeah, I get what you're saying. In your mind, you just compare it to Spindrift or whatever, right? At that, exactly. Exactly. And not only that, like, when was the last time you spent $5 on a can of anything? Three years ago, four years ago. <laughs> right. Like, never, especially like, you know, being like millennial Gen Z or it's like, hell no, I'm not going to spend $5 on a can. And All back- right. So back, back to the meeting for a second. So, back to so the yeah, you, you get in there and they immediately are telling you, we want this, get it in cans. Is that, is that how it went? That's, ex- that's exactly how it went. They're like, yeah, three, you have three months before. Apparently, like with some things with Whole Foods, they have like a freeze on new products. That's a good thing, right? Uh-huh. And they're like, in three months, we're going to have a freeze and not bring any new products on for a while. So if you can present us with a can, prototype or whatever, like you'll get it. Like they really liked our product and they've never seen it before. So they're like, if you can get it in a can in three months, you're in. And you were in bottles at the time. So now you leave and you've got to go back and your sole focus is to get this thing in a can, right? Our sole focus. My, the only thing I was thinking about is how do I get this liquid into a can? Because at that point in time, the biggest batch we've ever brewed was maybe 10 gallons. And, and when we were going into cans, we were brewing like, what, 33 barrels, which is, I can't do math, but you can do the math. It was a lot more. <laughs> Exponentially and- more. And, and fast forward, because I know you did that. As hard as that was, you did that, right? And you got it into cans. Yeah. Correct? Correct. Yeah. So, so now you go back to, back to Jersey with these cans, and w- what do they say then? They said, yeah, we're in. And what does that mean? We're in, you sign some contract, put it, or, or load up the truck and get it to our store. What, what does it mean? So basically the first um, – we started off with one – Two Whole Foods, the one on Gowanus and the one in Williamsburg. And they're like, we're going to start you off there and see how sales go. Um, and then we'll scale you up um, accordingly, which is nice. If I could go back in time to that point in time, I think our company would still be around if we would have just stuck with those two Whole Foods the entire time and did not scale. And why, it sounds like that was the plan but from both Whole Foods' side and your side. So why didn't you? What changed did it do really well in those two? What, what, what happened? I think it was like peak season. It was like summertime and, you know, Williamsburg is like my home base. Like I know a lot of people in Williamsburg who like support us and like the product. So at that time, our product was kind of flying off the shelf somewhat enough for them to think, oh, these guys are ready for the Northeast. And was that opaque or did you have transparency into the di- – did you have a portal you could go into every day to see, oh, my God, look at the sales we're doing in Williamsburg? All right. So there was a portal, right? This, yeah. this magical portal that Whole Foods has. I forgot what it was called. But we never had access to it. So we never really knew. We just took – like uh, based it off of our distribution pers- partners, which was Rainforest. And they would kind of tell us where we were at. 
And did Whole Foods refer you to Rainforest or did you have to go and get a distribution partner once you got Whole Foods buy-in? Whole Foods basically said uh, there's only a f- there's a few um, distribution uh, partners that they have and they just recommended Rainforest. Gotcha. Okay, so it's selling well in Williamsburg and in, in Brooklyn, in the, the second store in Brooklyn as well. And because of the seasonality, you get a call saying we want we want to expand. Yeah, it was like another meeting of like we want to bring you back push, to Jersey. Yeah, we, yeah, we want to push you guys into all forty one stores. This is going to be a huge kind of thing. All right, so um, for more context, when this is happening, when this is happening, we were going into like investor meetings, and this was our big leverage. Like sure, like yeah. we like. Like one, we have a cool new product that like we had no competition at the time. So that was interesting. Our branding and packaging is on point. Um, We have distribution power with Rainforest and Whole Foods wants to, like they want to grow us. They want to, they want us to expand. So that was like all the things lining up. So we're doing this in tandem. Like we're like growing with Whole Foods and trying to raise money at the same time. Makes because, sense because, because you should be a, a good uh, investable company because you've got product that's flying off the shelves in Brooklyn and with Whole Foods and they want to expand. Yeah. So we were, and it was one of those, it's like chicken or the egg. Like, what can you do? Like, can you raise money before you get all that stuff? Or can you get all that stuff without money? Um, like, get all that stuff, meaning like scale into 41 Whole Foods and run the business fine. Um, so you did or didn't raise money before you went into 41 stores? We did not raise any money. And and that's because you simply didn't have any term sheets, right? Yeah, we had no deals coming through. We almost had a deal come through with like some funds and it just fell through because like we were like in our minds, like what we've been told by like mentors or whatever other business folks is like, okay, you have a lot going for you. Like, you're in a new, you're developing a new category in the coffee space. You're you have Whole Foods, but apparently for investors that just wasn't enough. Our velocity in those two Whole Foods was enough, um, but a lot of these investors they're smart. They're like, okay, let's just see how you guys do when you guys scale. And our velocity at forty one Whole Foods was trash, <laughs> complete trash. So you go from these two stores where you're doing well to 41. How many weeks, months does it take to go from two stores to 41 for you? It was like a year, like like half, like right. less than a year to for them to make that decision. Um, also, our product we didn't know this at the time because we were so we we're still kind of new to the market. It was it's so seasonal? It's like no one wants to drink this in the winter in New York City. Nobody wants to go outside in New York city in the winter, let alone like buy a, an ice cold drink in a can that they don't know about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, do you ever get a, you know, an iced mocha or iced latte in the winter in New York? No, you get Never. a hot, whatever your beverage you get, is. Exactly. You get something hot and you get something close to your house. Like you're not walking a whole foods. And not only that, like when you go to whole foods, there's like a hundred other drinks that are way more familiar. Like, water sparkling water or just cold brew um and people were not willing to 
experiment with their money to buy a five dollar drink, a coffee, sparkling coffee drink with tangerines in it. Okay, so does well in Brooklyn. You get it to all forty-one stores over a year's time, and when do you know that the velocity is complete trash everywhere but Brooklyn in the summer? Um, maybe in the first like three months, because at that time, yeah, I was broke. I didn't have a car, so I couldn't drive anywhere. So I had a bus everywhere to all these stores and these uh-huh. sampling events with a giant book bag. And that's like impossible. And we didn't have any money to hire anybody. We tried to get like friends and fam- like friends and interns and all, all that sort of stuff. But it just wasn't enough, you know, to, in order to be in 41 Whole Foods and like sustain yourself and do sampling events, you need money to pay for like demo people. That's just the facts of it. So what happens in the, in the end you do, uh, you don't do a good velocity throughout this year you're in 41 stores does do you go back to jersey and do they say sorry it just didn't work or no we're literally begging them to be like please take us out of 41 stores put us back in just the williamsburg store like begging them and they didn't do it (laughs) (laughs) and was that your choice or their choice to scale to 41 stores from the two it was their choice. Obviously, we agreed to it because I was yeah. stupid and very eager, and we were on the cusp of raising money. You know, the pipe, right. the dream was alive, and our, and I was confident uh, that it was going to happen for some reason. Right. So how does how does it end? Do you come out of the forty one stores, or does it end just with your 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 product is all there, and they say just don't send any more? How you know how's it how's it end? Um. We basically told them we're out of, out of production, and then slowly faded away into, <laughs> in, into the darkness. So they would have kept taking taking the cans if you kept making them. You just weren't making any money on it. Probably losing money because I'm sure like, our the thing with our product it expired in like four or five months. Oh right. So if it and doesn't so that- sell in four and five months, they have to like, throw them away or rainforest. All right. Okay, so it sounds like one of the lessons is the onus is on you as as the maker to to make this work. Whole Foods is, not, but why don't you? Why don't I, I stop guessing and you tell me what are you know the three biggest lessons from this? Because it does sound like the Whole Foods deal going to forty one stores, and you told me this before, basically killed your business. Yeah, we grew right. way we grew way too fast. We weren't ready, and like the biggest thing. All right, so. If Keepers was shelf-stable with, like, a 12-month shelf life with whatever, like, we probably could have gotten away with just, like, letting our cans sit on the shelf as, like, you know, a just nice little display for the year, and nobody would have bad an eye, you know? Yeah. But, but because we were not shelf-stable and had the, a short shelf life, um, they had to be thrown away. So it was very obvious what was happening. It's like, they're not selling. It's obvious. Versus a company with a, you know unlimited shelf life they just sit there and chill and you know take up shelf space Um, all right so that's lesson one is it yep shelf stable shelf stable just getting ready for the the scale and having having money to do it you know um so 
in reality, what was in my bank account and what was in my partner's bank account, we were only ready to have to take care of two Whole Foods and our like 20 retail stores in New York City. Because that was in our hometown, we could take the train, take the bus, walk to all these places and like support them and make sure that, like um, things were being sold. Um, when you're scaled to that wide of a net, like there's no way you can support those stores. And when you have a product that needs a lot of education behind it, yeah, you definitely need support. So what that sounds like to me is that in hindsight, it's always 2020, obviously, but it, it, if you would have set up some self constraints and said, we only have money to support these two stores here in Brooklyn. So as great as this sounds to go to the 41 stores and that will help us raise money and everything else, mm-hmm. let's take a step back and keep these constraints so we can work some things out, like get ready for scale, making the product shelf stable, that, that type of thing. Yeah. And building up more uh, sales in, in Brooklyn. Oh yeah. That would have been it. Take it. Yeah. Cause this, it's one of those weird things like investors don't, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. If I was an investor and I heard someone say, listen, we're not ready to scale to the 41 Whole Foods. We know it's there when we need, when we want it, but right now we're not prepared for it. I think the investors probably would have invested if they heard that uh, side of responsibility. But yeah, no, we were just gung ho. We're like, let's go for it. We'll figure it out as we go. Well, you're definitely not alone because, I mean, I hear about a ton of different makers, like I was telling you, and they they simply want to get this deal that you had. And they think that that, that is the key to success. Once they get this distribution with Whole Foods or whoever it is, then off they go. The investments come in, the investment checks come in, and they scale. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So what, any uh, last kind of parting advice for uh, food and beverage makers who may have just landed one of one of these distribution deals? Hmm. I mean, get your product to be shelf stable and raise some money. I mean, I, right. I mean, that's kind of it. And like, also like if you're a company with like no money to start, like make sure your product is kind of familiar where no one has to wonder what it really is and what it tastes like. If that makes any yeah. sense, you know, and how, how can you do that? Give me an example of, of um, pulling that off. Um, kind of like Spindrift. Everyone knows, what, everyone knows what water is and everyone knows what these basic fruit elements are like lime. <laughs> so no one's going to like wonder like, Oh, what does this taste like? That's no one's going to be like, that's weird. You know what I mean? Right. Right, right. So you think the product made Spindrift better set up to scale uh, just because it was a, more of a natural fit. A natural fit. And if you're going to innovate, it's more of like innovate in the slightest way possible where it's still palatable and still familiar. Unless you have a shit ton of money to, you know, uh, you know, buy out like education to what the product is. Yeah, and it sounds like maybe that that was another path that your company could have taken. Stay in Brooklyn and just really focus on education, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and then let that kind of proliferate naturally, whether it's digitally or or however, so that then when you're 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 ready to scale, um, people 
have a way to figure figure it out, figure out the education side of it by seeing it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks a lot, T. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. All right. Talk to you later. See ya.